Welcome to Who Owns the Stars, a podcast where we talk about every episode of The Expanse and then some. I am one of your hosts, Nina. Today with me, as always, is Kat. Hi to the people. And today we will be continuing our bonus series of discussing season five in real time as it's coming out. Once again, these episodes are shorter, they're less about analysis, and more just about our reactions and what we think of the season so far, and where we think the season is going to go. As Sometimes it just so we happens, sneak a teensy bit of analysis in there anyways. We do, because as it just so happens, this is, I would argue, maybe the best episode of the season. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Hallie Lambert, you wrote this episode, and I want to tell you, you were in your fucking bag. <laughs> why don't you start i'm ready we already know where we're going let's i was gonna say to so before we so before we get there before do you have anything you want to like quickly get out of the way with avasarala holden or the martians um it was a great scene when avasarala was pulling herself together watching mm-hmm. her kind of put that armor back on pull out the public facing version of her yeah it felt like they were uh, it came off as a, as a like a visual twist usually we see it as her armor and in this situation it's more like a burden like a literal chain around her neck so i Ooh. thought that was that was nice um and sad uh shout out to kim's convenience for continuously producing an excellent crop <laughs> of actors uh this time i don't know the actor's name do you know his name i briefly knew his name um but well, for now we can call him mr meta from <laughs> kim's convenience we, we love can. him uh acting secretary general mr meta uh and let me start this clock for 20 minutes which we will screw up as we usually do um the only other two things I have are, I really like this season and the last season, which the season four is always like has been kind of branded as like the reset for the show. Um, and I think one thing that's been interesting in these past two seasons is how the music has added new themes, but it's also mm-hmm. created new versions of old themes. So if there was something playing during the scene where Holden's on the Rossi and Monica joins them. And it's a theme that we've heard before, but with a slightly different production, which I really appreciated because I just love. I mean, it's a whole new world. Seriously. I love Clinton Shorter's work. I wish he would be nominated for something that you get nominated for when you make this kind of music. The very last thing I'll bring up, well, I'll bring up two things. Did you notice anything new in the title cards? Please don't ask me that. You know I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna as someone who was all up in it last time, by the way, we should say we're discussing season five, episode six. Tribes, which is uh, important. Yes. Um last episode I was like super excited because I I assumed I noticed new stuff, but this episode I didn't notice anything new, so I just wanted to cross check with you. And the last thing is Naomi has I think Naomi has sent a message to Holden that is only titled if something goes wrong. So obviously I have a million questions about that, but I think that can segue us into wherever Kat wants to start and run for the rest of this episode. 
Wow. Okay. So we've been waiting for this moment since we saw the trailer. We've been waiting we for this have. moment season four. We've been waiting we for have. Drummer and Marco to come face to face again. We have. And what a moment. It was. Um, Tell I, him. I know you talk about Kara's acting all the time and how great it is how she's able to be this hard personality versus her, you know, real personality. But watching her stare down Marco this whole episode, it was so exciting. And shout out, shout out to Keon for We're being so able giddy. to add a level of like comedy into Marco's general malice. That's always fun. His expression really- when no, go ahead. No, I just say they have like great banter with each other. They do. They have great chemistry. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I can't. I can't make it not be there. I can't make it not see what's on screen. You know, it's present. It's visible. It's obvious. To not comment on it would be a waste. Seriously. Um, but Marco's expression and tone when drummer and associates walk in <laughs> have me on the floor. Because I knew he was about to be an asshole. And he proceeded to do what? My man. Um, but do we want to talk about the argument between Marco, Sin, and Philip? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Him saying, it's all, oh. It's like all a blur in my head. No, girl, um, I yeah, get it. I was in a yeah, daze yeah, yeah. as well. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. Um. Marco saying we treated her with respect. I really enjoyed like how much of an asshole he is. <laughs> and the pleasure he takes out of it. Right. And and playing everybody against each other. Oh, his expression when he's telling Philip, oh no, don't look at sin. I asked you a question. Mm-hmm. Like it doubles as him being, you know, Marco. But it's also very much I hope I'm not exposing my parents. It's a parent moment, you know? <laughs> like, they're not in charge of you. I am. Mm-hmm. But the argument between Sin and Marco, I think it was so good. It revealed so much about their relationship without giving us exposition. You know, like, Sin is not just disobeying orders in that moment. He's really yelling at this young upstart kid that he's known for so many years. Um <laughs> And then also the speed with which Philip begs for Naomi's life. Oh, wow. He really just wants his mom to like be alive and around, but he doesn't know how to navigate that relationship. And I was then gonna wait to, to talk about Naomi's impact, but <laughs> we should might as well bring it up. But seriously, she doesn't even have to be in the room and everybody in the room is worried about her. Like not many, not many people in this world can say that. So I just want to give her her props, as we do every week. Because she's earned Um, them. She has. She has. Having her two exes face to face. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. (laughs) But I also wanted to say, um, it's interesting because in our first appearance with Marco, season four, he's he's played as like a very manipulative, very smart, slow, and calculating. Like he'll always get what he wants at the end of the day. But then with these, like you kind of said in the beginning of this season, we're going to see more about how Marco's leadership fails. It's interesting how quickly it's failing. Like he's very, he's very patient 
um, when it, when it comes to what it takes to get that power. But I guess once he has that power, he's because he's so obsessed with it, it's very hard for him to let it go. And that's what makes, I assume, what is becoming his downfall so quick. And I think he's also running into the problem of he's able to inspire people, but is he able to maintain that loyalty? Yeah, that whole line about the agriculture, I I have mixed feelings about that, actually. I don't know. I was listening and I was like, I don't know if this sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like the whole point of that was like, oh, you can uh, you can be a revolutionary, but can you be a leader? Like, can you lead us out of earth's influence and i get it because it's trying to say how maybe marco hasn't thought it that well through that was a sentence i think but i'm also you know if i think about like a real world examples decolonization is very hard because what you're saying and it's meant to be it's creating you're saying like take this uh group of people that for centuries or a century in this case have been under the rule whose entire economic success depends on their uh, their ruler, I guess, the nation that, that controls them, who everything depends on them. And now once they gain independence, of course, like, they're going to fail. It's it, it kind of comes, like, one example I think of a lot is, like, when we were younger, we would, I don't know if you ever, like, had this in your history class, but it'd be like, should Puerto Rico become the 50 first the 51st state because we have 50 states tell me what else you took from that class uh you know and and they'd be like and and like far be it for me to have any knowledge beyond what we learned in that class about puerto rico and statehood but i remember one of the arguments is that if it became independent it would lose you know so much money it would be in so much debt because Mm -hmm. it's not being controlled by that higher power not to say that it justifies it but that's kind of what i'm seeing here like even though that line about like how is the belt going to feed itself even though it's meant to sort of poke at marco's um weaker spots i also think it's fair to say i don't think any leader would have had a perfect like every leader would have had a a flawed answer to one of these kinds of questions because there is literally there is no way that these people are going to gain independence and become a free nation without having a lot of loss in those first you know in those first decades it's it's impossible i don't and i don't i i also just don't maybe have the history to understand like if that is possible without that really really sharp decline but it just doesn't seem like that would happen that would be able to happen otherwise And I think it's also honestly kind of reflective of maybe the belter mindset, not to lump everyone together, but Marco's kind of like, look, we got to sink or swim. And he knows that the belt has always had to adapt to whatever hardship is placed in its path. So even if this specific plan that he's worked up doesn't work out, I think he's still confident, like, we're going to find a way to survive. That's what we are. Right. Yeah, and I think it's easier for me if we focus on his flaws being, like, what he's willing to sacrifice to get that dream. That is easier, I think, to get across because you could still point to those first few uh, episodes to last season and you can easily say, hey, Marco is, is willing to sacrifice even his own people if that's what it takes. And at the end of the day, 
I don't think he wants a free nation. I think he wants revenge. And like making those distinctions really works. But distinctions like this where it's like, well, what's going to happen after we become free? It's like, well, that is going to be a question no matter what. And I, I, I would say in this situation, I would agree with Marco that I don't see a viable solution of negotiating your way out of control. Like you're not going to, I don't see a way where you can stay under Earth's control for like two more mm-hmm. decades, you know, gain the ability not to make- slowly let you build your way out of under their thumb. Right. And we saw that last season. We saw that with Illis. Sin said it in the last episode. There's we we don't have our air. We don't have our water. We can't even go and get it for ourselves because once we do, there they are. There are the inners, you know, g- uh, gatekeeping us. So this is actually a point where I agree with Marco on like you kind of have to force your way out of it and adapt to whatever comes next. Now, that being said, I think what we'll see is that it's not just that Marco doesn't have a great answer for that. It's that he doesn't prioritize it. If the goal here is to show how Marco doesn't prioritize building a nation and he prioritizes revenge, I agree Mm -hmm. with what's going on here. But if the criticism is he doesn't have a good answer for the more day-to-day issues or for just how we'll develop the siege post-colonization, I don't think that's as strong of an argument. I think people have a tendency with Marco to fuse the personal with like the overall dream for the boat Mm -hmm. and i understand that urge but i think it makes him a less complex character if you take that view where everything is one and the same and if you split up his motivation and look into it and look into his actions and how they line up with the two dueling ideas that's far more interesting I agree. And I we're we have done way too much analysis at this point. So why don't we move on to really quick I wanna get the next scene after that is um Naomi and Philip. Um and there's just like a couple things. There's a couple lines there that I really liked. Um oh well before that, uh Carl and Marco. Just very interested to know. What's I, know. I wanna see there. more of that dynamic. He was very because- casual around her. He was, and not quite vulnerable, but, but like that's his old friend, right? So she I'm knows just, him too well. You know, I'm looking. My eyes are wide open. Um, so when Philip goes to Naomi, he is mad at her. She yeah. relieved, and there's this little exchange where she says, my people are okay. And Philip says, you don't even think of your own family as your people. And I love that Naomi just admits the truth. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, because I, I think that's also a sort of growth. Because one of the pa- things is the past few seasons, Naomi has like sort of tried to play all sides, tried to play the belter, tried to make nice with the inners, mm-hmm. and has sort of pretended that that's possible. Um, and I think moments like this, or, you know, when she first met Philip and she was like, I don't know why I thought you would listen to me, but I had just hoped you would. Right. She's very truthful around him. And I think this is just another example of that. Like, yeah, she admits Actually, it. Sorry. But no, it makes me think of a book moment where Naomi says, like, just decides that she's going to be as honest as possible with Philip because she doesn't believe that anybody, particularly Marco, has been honest with him his whole life. Mm-hmm. 
and I think I I I don't I don't know if it's a calculated move because because at the end of the day it works right by being honest with Philip she forces him to hold these like multiple truths at the same time she cares about him deeply but she doesn't care about Marco she Mm -hmm. values her family and she also risked her life to come all the way here to rescue him so forcing him to deal with these complicated ideas is if it was intentional it's working great but I don't think it was intentional but it still is is a great approach for someone like Philip Mm -hmm. and the other thing about Philip um is I really like how he's I mean I know he's not a teenager in this show but he is a de facto teenager right like he's like a kid in the eyes of of the people in this world um and I like that he's not being written as a like whiny teenager mm-hmm. you know what I mean there's a lot of shows like where not a total sociopath right there's a lot of shows where when the ensemble cast is uh made up of adults then when you have to write it from the perspective of a of a younger person, they're sort of I mean stereotypes. Overshoot not- that maturity gap. Yeah, they're like, oh, this kid is like a child, and it's like Philip's not a child, and and I like that the writing is is like bound toes that line, like he's not just some hot headed, like immature person. He has his own values, but he because he is younger than everybody else, he's learning how to deal with all these complex feelings at once. And he hasn't, he probably hasn't had to do that many times yet as adults will like would have had to do at, by their time. So I like that it kind of toes up. It treats him like a younger person who is facing new problems that come as you age, but also respects him enough to give him his own like valuable opinion. And I wouldn't want to say that Philip's been sheltered, but I think probably growing around Marco and the rest of the crew, he's probably been insulated. Does Philip have friends? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's the one he let die. Oh my god, you're right. But he's probably been insulated from opposing ideas or ideas that are different from what his dad said, but aren't necessarily against like Belters as a whole. So, right. like you said, he's grappling with that. But I loved his scenes with Naomi. Last thing I want to say about Philip, he says about his dad, he says he made me a fighter. Instantly, I was like, some are fighters, some are not. You won't know until, I don't know, the rest of the line. <laughs> but you know. No, you're absolutely right. That is a great connection. I didn't even notice it. But I also kind of looked at it as... Marco kind of made him in his own image, or at least that's what he's been trying to do. Yeah. And I think Philip's biggest fear in every moment that Marco looks down on him or is disappointed is that he's not going to be able to live up to that. I also think Philip is just, he's really only now realizing the depth of the break between his parents, and he's not sure what to do with it. He feels like his family is being torn apart a second time by the same person being Naomi. And the only way that he knows how to channel that is to make her responsible for all of the strife because that's all he's ever known. She's been the fall guy. But, oh, their scenes were great. (laughs) I have one last line from that. We're like, we're shooting into the analysis. We got to dial it back. Okay, then I can say something that's not analysis at all. 
Um, I love the staccato rhythm of Marco and Drummer's like opening volleys at each other. It reminded me of their very first scene together, which kind of had that same rhythm. Yes. Um, also, they asked, how could Marco have MCRN warships? And my answer is that because he's simply a bad bitch. Now what? <laughs> it was funny, though, because it was like, we've been through this already. You got to catch up. We don't have time to tell you what's been happening. Let's jump into the third person so you can see everything all at once. Keep up. Seriously, seriously. Um, One last line between Philip and Naomi, and then I want to take us to Amos and Clarissa, just because my notes are chrono- Oh, jeez. <laughs> my notes are chronological, so we're just going to be switching back and forth for the benefit of my brain. Um, Last line, Naomi says he- I forgot the beginning of the line, but- he wouldn't die for you, referring to Marco about Philip. Um, obviously, a hard hitting line. Like into analysis if we're talking about that. Line. No, we are not. I'm yes, just gonna make do. my reference. I'm m- making my reference, and then we move. So the reference I'm thinking of is Agents of Shield season five. There's a line from that season uh, where a character says, "I've seen people willing to kill for each other, but I've never seen a group of people willing to die for each other." So, you know, my mind is clicking. It's sparking. The wheels are turning. Truly. Let's move on. You are not yeah. allowed to continue your analysis. Okay. Can I hold myself accountable for one thing? Yes. Um, before I said, Marco didn't check in with the other factions. Come to find out, you know, he's been communicating with people. So Marco looked me dead in the eye and said, who didn't do what? <laughs> He did his homework. Um, so one thing about Nadine Nicole, she's mm-hmm. very funny. She is. Every she did not get to show her range in season three. She didn't, but my favorite line is just, it's she goes, it's funny if you think about it. Amos, Amos goes, what? She goes, the moon. <laughs> my like, girl, where's the punchline? Like, where are you? I mean, she was high as fuck. So. She was. She was. I felt she was a little underused in this episode because, like, to me, this art, this, like, little side plot, like, felt like it was supposed to be, like, a buddy thing. But when I was watching it, I feel like I was seeing more of Amos, like, just taking care of her and getting them to safety, which is not bad, but I think I just had, like, miss matched expectations mm-hmm. i mean there's still time there's a few episodes and now yeah. that her drugs and blockers have officially worn off we'll probably get to see more right um there's a line in this scene before we move back to drummer <laughs> there's a line in this scene uh amos goes that's the thing about civilization it keeps you civil so obviously the first thing i thought of is season four you think because you are civilized, civilization comes with you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's actually sort of like two opposing ideas. Um, and so I, when we go back to this episode, I want to dive more into that. The other thing I wanted to bring up at a high level, since we're coming back to drummer now, um, we should talk a little bit about the episode title, just, uh, just to like get it out of the way. But there's an interesting connection between Amos and Drummer, who are arguably, like, the leads of this episode. Which, by the way, is a weird thing to say. 
Amos and drummer of all people, <laughs> but that's a testament to the to the writing of the show. So Amos's whole thing is he talks about tribes and he says, you know, the more civilized you become, the bigger your tribes. But when it comes down to surviving for yourself, your tribes are very, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and the arc of Amos in this episode is without his tribe, without Holden and his family, he becomes he a bad person who realizes that he's just been living like a good one or at least that's what he's afraid of exactly you know he he reverts back to his old values and his old behaviors and he doesn't he literally doesn't realize it until someone else has to pull him back um whereas drummer is kind of on the opposite end because she has her little polycule in her family she has her family and this is not the first time that her family is like, what is what is Drummer going to do? How is she going to handle everything that's happened? Because I'm really worried she's going to do something that she'll regret. So you could argue that Drummer is at risk of going down the path of what Amos is doing, but Drummer has her tribe that is trying to keep her in check. Mm-hmm. Um, and between Drummer and Marco, we can get into this, now but they have before we go yeah or maybe you might be going in that direction already yeah but i was thinking go no tribes this episode is a really about people choosing who their tribe is but also understanding what bonds you together and whether that's enough especially with drummer and marco so continue you have my that was that was a nicer way of what i was about to say which is there's that line between drummer and marco at the end of the episode where uh i don't know what's the name of the guy but the tribute um you know he says we'll treat him nicely blah blah whatever and he calls him crew and drummer says he's not crew he's family and then marco goes well let me introduce you to my family and drummer and marco have very different ideas of family and it kind of goes to what you're saying drummer chose her family drummer values her family and she doesn't turn against them so far i hope she doesn't but i have a feeling we might be heading in that direction she's a very loyal person and since we're on the topic i am a little miffed that we keep bringing up drummer's temper because i truly don't i was looking at this energy i was like did i do something (laughs) like like she comes on the ship crawls like give me your gun your temper is like apparently she is world renowned for her temper and i'm sitting here after five four and a half seasons and i'm thinking where where i don't because the only time she's ever lashed out season two she gets shot by her own belters i think she's fully in the right to shoot them both dead maybe not dead but you know a little a little violence is not wrong in that situation the second time she is on the behemoth she goes to space that drug dealer Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, drummer, what are you doing? But she easily says, she says, we would do this all the time. This is very typical Belcher behavior. So clearly that's not too much of a temper for anybody. And then in season four, okay, she decks Fred Johnson. But again, she really went upside his head. Yeah, <laughs> she almost knocked him out. And it's like, okay, but that's like, that's an, I can explain away that behavior. So I'm just like, I don't see this temper everyone's talking, especially because in season three specifically, she talks a lot about how she, like the practices she uh, does 
to not lash out at people. There was that whole thing where she like was so pissed off at Ashford that she went and hid in like some, you know, warehouse area so that she wouldn't hurt anybody. So I'm just like, ah, you know, me and the writers got to have some words. I don't see, I don't see what they're trying to say. I'm also a stan. I realize that. <laughs> I mean, I think they're also trying to take into account when Drummer is confronted with like loss or injustice, that's what motivates her anger. So Marco's just killed two people that she considered to be good people who didn't deserve it. So I think part of the concern is probably coming from that. And then he also like was immediately ready to mock her. So (laughs) there's also knowing that Marco has the ability to really push people's buttons and know how to get under their skin. And if drummer's already grieving and sensitive, then yeah, it's not a good combination. On the other hand, I get what you're saying about drummer's world-renowned temper not being necessarily living up to its reputation. I think it's because I would believe it more if it's like an in-show thing. It's like a lot of people talk about her temper, but the twist is sort of how hard she works to not have to not lash out. That would be more believable to me because that's what I see, like her active behavior in in choosing to be fair and just which arguably she is but again that's just the stand in me talking let's move on to uh there is a hint i have been watching the after shows i have been reading i have been listening speaking of the after show (laughs) i do want to just say quickly i love keon's reading of marco as like an optimistic person Mm. um Cause mostly because I felt the same way. Um, Keon, please come on the show. Let's chat. <laughs> this this after show was really really fun to watch because I loved ha- like seeing Kara and Keon talk about this just strange dynamic because that is literally the only thing that I wanted and it was delivered to me and I just it felt so good you know so Keon. And Karaji, please, you have an open invite into this show. And, you know, Dominique, I don't know if we've explicitly invited you, but you have an open invitation. It should as well. be a parent. Um, you can bring your child, Josiah, as well. No, what I wanted to say was that I keep hearing this thing that the creators are referring to about a choice that Drummer has to make down the road. And I'm very curious what that is because the way they hint at it, it's sort of at the idea that drummer's grief and her anger will eventually overcome her and she's going to do something that is not a good choice it's not like it doesn't sound like she's making a hard choice for the betterment of people it sounds like she's going to make a choice that is objectively bad for her arc so i'm really really curious what that is i'm curious if it has anything to do with naomi because as of this point drummer has to know that naomi is on that ship Philip, I love him. He was not subtle. <laughs> he did not realize at all that he was a pawn and nothing more. Like, you were not actually meeting your mom's best friend. You were, like, a trophy. God bless them. Um, did you have anything else about that scene, though? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Well, the uh, a couple things about, just to finish off, drummer mm-hmm. and Capella and stuff like that, but um 
kind of to bolster my point that I was making, um, when they have to go back onto the Tynan, the Tynan, and sure. they have to make the uh, choice of whether or not to join Marco. Oh, that was. A what I noticed scene. is that I mean I know we're analyzing and we're not supposed to analyze, but like here we are. So what I noticed we is that we set the rules, we break the rules. Truly, Drummer speaks once. She's the only time she speaks is when they talk about Marco, and Drummer reminds everybody that we can't trust him. We don't have a reason to trust him. But after that, she lets everybody have their point. She lets people say, maybe we should go with Marco because he's doing what's right. We mm-hmm. shouldn't go with Marco because he's not doing what, what's right. Or option C, we don't get to choose whether what he's doing is right or not. Our lives are in danger no matter what. Right. And I like, I again, I just, I think there's this character in her that she's really not an unjust person because any other character leading that scene it would be a lot about trying to get people in that room to make the right choice, but she doesn't even she doesn't say a word. She lets them get out all their feelings, even the more uncomfortable ones, um, and lets them all come to a decision together. I do wonder if that is a result of her having served under both Fred Johnson and Anderson Dolls, who are very much like, this is what we're doing. I mean, you can say your little piece, but mm. this is what we're doing. And it's also in contrast, of course, to the style of leadership that we've seen from Marco, where he likes to portray things as though they're a collaboration, but it's really a one-man show. Yes, yes. And of course, if Holden was in that room, he would have been like, no one's going I anywhere. I was on arrows. <laughs> you should hear what I have to say. Now he can say, I was I on Illid. I don't care about your belter bullshit. Um, oh, God. I'm never going to forgive him for that. Uh, I can't wait till we get to that episode. Last thing about Drummer, Coral is joining the ship. I am very excited for that. I'm very curious what the Coral Drummer dynamic is going to look like. I would just like to see more of Coral. I think out of the little weird crew Marco has, I think she's she's got the least to do so far. So She really you know. has spent the whole season just threatening Naomi's life. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Um, I, yeah, I guess I just want to emphasize, like, I mean, I know we were being funny about it, but, like, it is crazy how much Naomi matters to everybody. And that, like, again, even when she's not there, Marco is worried about how, what other people are going to do in motivation to, to save her. Honestly, like, if we were um, to return back to Earth for two seconds, if Amos had main-checked Naomi rather than Holden, she would have been the connective tissue between like the plots and the the main. I was gonna anyway. say it was interesting that he didn't he didn't use her name, but I think you had brought this up that there's a point in the show where Amos shifts and sees Holden mm-hmm. as the captain instead of Naomi. Um, so I wonder. If some, I feel like it's somewhere in season two. Why don't we end this episode with the rest of Amos's story? What else do you have to say? Listen, I'm going to be honest. I came into this recording session ready to talk okay, about I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> so I have a I have a actually a point of contention with mm-hmm. Amos. So a quick recap, I suppose. Amos I love that we just dive in. We never do recaps. We're just like, so in this scene and everyone's just going to know what we're talking about. If you had known you would have watched it right before we started this episode, that's how you got to do it. Amos, for the entire show, 
and uh, in the after show for one of these episodes in season five, not the like podcast after show, but the official like after the interview. No, no, no. If you go on Amazon, oh. um, and okay. Anyway, there's a one of us does our jobs. <laughs> Seriously, there's a cast interview where executive producer Naren Shankar he says Amos does this thing where he attaches himself to people and he trusts them to make the hard choices not the hard choices but the moral choices for him so as we know that started off with naomi then he went on this little journey with somebody called prax uh don't know if you know him then he moved on to anna then it was way and now it's rejection onto way was interesting to me because it almost felt like he was trying to take that role on for her Mm -hmm. and now he's on clarissa and i i feel like he came in he came to clarissa with the intent of being that i don't know guiding star for her but now he's realizing they're not quite as alike as he thought because she like she said experiences that fear and regret that Amos really doesn't and now he's wondering like if that makes him a bad person does it make her better than him I don't think he's putting it in those terms but I think it marks a shift in the dynamic that he thought they had right and so like I don't want to I don't want to devalue like the dynamic they have going on I really do like it I think my problem is that I, I feel like we're seeing this again like I think from Anna on I mean, you could argue from Prax on, we're, I feel like we're seeing the same dynamic, a similar dynamic in every season, which is Amos attaches himself to someone, and through them, he starts to understand um, how to make his own decisions. And in certain cases, he tries to be, like you said, that guiding light for them. So Amos and Prax, it was really easy. It was making the decision to shoot Dr. Strickland because he didn't want Prax to lose that part of humanity. Anna was a pretty simple case. He, you know, he just felt that she was a very good person, and so he took it upon himself to protect her. Way uh, felt like a step forward because it was, here's a character who is already somebody like Amos who makes um, questionable decisions and who might be able to be pulled back from that. And at the end, she didn't. And so I, I feel like we're here again where it's Amos finds somebody mm-hmm. and tries to help them but it's more complicated than he thinks and i'm not saying this isn't a worthy thing to explore but it's not very linear so it's hard for me to see where we're going in the long run and i think that's the other point about it amos in general has such a long season spanning arc when it comes to anything related to amos learning his backstory is something we didn't even finish learning until this season if you could even if you could call it finishing we probably have more to learn um so his growth feels very, very long as well. And it's hard to see where we're going because in this season, now what we're seeing is Amos trying to help somebody, but now he himself is slipping back. So it, I just, I feel like we're going back and forth and I feel like I'm seeing the same dynamic again. And I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know what the end game is, but it's, it makes me a little bit confused. I think for them, the point is that this kind of dynamic is something that Amos has known since he was really young with Lydia. And so that 
influences the way he behaves now. But I would hope that this is the season where they kind of try to bring some kind of resolution to it. Yes, that's what it is. I keep feeling like every season is a resolution and then we open it back up. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if Naomi kept going back and forth. uh, You know, like season three, there was season two to season three. There's this huge argument about, you know, who can Naomi be loyal to? Can she accommodate both the belter and the inner side of her? And season three really made that physical of her literally going back and forth between the two. Um, But after that, Naomi realized like who her family was and she still makes decisions that she, she, she has a vested interest in the betterment of Belters, but it, it manifests in a different way. She doesn't, you know, leave behind uh, Holden and the rest of them all over again. She, she tries to bring them. I don't know. I just, I, I don't feel like she doesn't do the same thing, but I feel like it's explored in a different way. Like, the whole events of season four, it really felt like we were exploring a different part of Naomi. Because on one hand, you have this whole decision she has where she's like, I want to prove that I can survive on land. And you have her meeting somebody who was exactly like she was, you know, many, many years ago. And her trying to help that person grow from that, which ties directly in to season five, which is a really interesting, which proves my point that I say every episode that Naomi's arc really pattern matches to the arc of the show. But that's just my theory. But it like it's a different exploration, whereas Amos, it's like it's almost like if we go to season six, I'm like, I'm absolutely sure. Amos is going to meet somebody who has some type of complex morals and he's going to try and help them in some way and it is going to make him further contend with his past. And I just feel like we've seen this before. Well, if it happens again, let's hope he does it in a muscle tank. <laughs> They're half naked again. That was fun. <laughs> I appreciate that. He didn't have any weapons on him except for those guns. <laughs> I'm going to cut that It's out. all in the delivery. <laughs> Uh, last thing about Amos and this episode for me, um, Clarissa's little poem. I, uh, have killed, but I am not a killer because killers are monsters and monsters aren't afraid, I believe is the line that it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a bar because little does Amos she thought know. it was like the deepest shit he'd ever heard. Well, he I was, was going to say. Not even shocked, but shook. <laughs> it was funny because I don't think Clarissa realized like what she had said in that moment because we know that Amos is not capable of feeling mm-hmm. fear on a level that other people are or as frequently as other people are. So to me, I read that as Amos understanding that there is a clear difference between him and Clarissa. And Clarissa has a... has the ability to redeem herself but Amos might not um so I just I it was a it was anything that might be like the only thing he's actually scared of yeah like the idea that after all this after all he's been through he might just be a monster for the rest of his life and that's a very scary thought but I think there's something in there to say I don't I don't see Amos being the kind of person who's looked at everything he's done in the past few years and been like yeah I can be a good person but I think there's a lesson in there for someone else to t- to help him understand that, like, you could, you, you've you done so many good things, you know? And I think he wants to believe that that doesn't matter much. 
I think he wants to believe that making your own decisions consistently in the right way is like what makes a good person. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know what? I'm really just rambling here. Just I hope anyone is listening. This is like <laughs> a lot of analysis. Um, well, I hope anyone who's listening is like tuning in and out as they please. But it almost feels like Amos is heading in the direction that Holden was at the beginning of the show. And I'm going to leave it at that because otherwise we're just going to keep analyzing. I'm going to stop the recording, but then me and you are going to continue talking about it. Oh, uh, I mean, do you have anything to say about episode seven? Any thoughts? Any predictions? We've got. I'm going to be honest. Every single time I predict something, they come the very next week and smack me in the face. So, <laughs> um, my prediction is that Marco is going to continue to be a jackass and I'm going to eat it up. Mm-hmm. Um, if Drummer appears next week, she's going to have to have a showdown with Coral. I would love to see how similar they are or how different they are. Mm-hmm. Holden, I mean, Holden's going on a hunt. Apparently, it's a military operation, despite Holden not actually being affiliated with anyone's military. And having been kicked out of the military. You know? Um, Amos? Well, we know he's not going to freeze to death, so. Oh, I, I bet next Actually, I do have a prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if next week is the week that we get the flashbacks to Naomi and Marco I think it is. I was looking at the episode description, or, you know, I think they tweeted something. I was looking at the episode description, and they said something about Marco and Naomi having conversations about the past and present, okay. which is interesting. I'll be right here, being just as obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> quickly, I do actually have a question for you. Yes. When Marco is watching Philip and Naomi's conversation at the end, do you think he's watching because he wants information on the rings? Or is he watching just to, like, watch his kid talk to his ex? No, he's jealous. Oh, my God. He's so angry. Yes. What? <laughs> Why would you think way. otherwise? No, because I was, hmm. I felt like, okay, he's jealous because Philip now has another parent in his life. But also, he mentioned the rings in his speech where he accepted the blame for um, throwing the rock. And she's talking about the rings in that moment. And Philip is asking her, oh, how did you open them or close them? Something like that. That is a good point. And we have had a pretty proto-molecule-less season so far. Um, So waiting to see where that goes. I was going to say before we even jump into, before I get into my predictions, we totally uh, just went past the whole very romantic staying in a cabin storyline we have now with Amos and Clarissa. I mean, I think this whole episode was a little romantic. I mean, I'm saying this like lightheartedly. I know the the creators don't don't love to go down that route, so please don't attack me. Um but I just <laughs> it was very cute. When she changed her clothes and wrapped lighting. her up. He's like, we've got food, transportation, anything you need, baby girl. I got it. He handled it. He... <laughs> so, um, but my predictions for next week. I think it's been a minute since we've had a big conflict. The last one we had was episode four. Um, 
also this episode has been largely dubbed as a filler episode if you think about it really not much action has happened in this episode it was a lot of conversations the very beginning of the episode had a few setups but it was really just conversations um and in general when it comes to pacing of seasons having that big conflict so early on in the season in episode four means that there must be a second thing happening later on so i feel like episode seven is the one also because as we know from this episode holden and crew are en route to go find the zemea uh which has the proto molecule right? which has the proto molecule and at the end of this episode marco i don't know if you noticed this but marco opens a screen up and he's gonna figure out what he's looking at he's marking out a route to intercept the rasinante en route to the zemea so either next episode is going to be like they did in season one, where it's just another episode of on the way to the Zemea, or next episode is the one. Um, so either seven or eight is about to be a blast. I just want to say I like Holden. We're buddies. That's my boy. Um, he's not ready for Marco. I'm sorry. <laughs> the charisma. <laughs> and this is no shade to Steven because we're buddies too, but he's not ready for that. I'm sorry, because whatever happens, I'm going to be like, Marco's making points here. so. And I think Holden has not been the... Holden has not become a person who can really argue his points very well. I think Just he yells. Fully, <laughs> no, I think he fully believes in his more centrism style of thinking, but as we have seen, it is not something that goes down very well with others whereas marco has literally convinced half the opa to fight for him so listen some of us have it that it factor that star factor (laughs) some of us don't it is what it is it doesn't mean that we're not all special in our own way um i'm gonna end the episode here uh thank you for listening Keep an eye out for our full analyses episodes. This week, we will also be dropping Season 1, Episode 7. Don't forget to also listen to our older episodes of recapping and reacting to Season 5, as well as our older episodes recapping and analyzing Season 1. In the meantime, you can send us an email at whoownsthestarspod at gmail.com or you can say hello and chat with us at who owns the stars on Twitter. With that, Kat, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Um, if you have any criticisms, please direct them all to Nina. And we will see you in the next one. Bye.